Hi, my name is Elliot Fulham, and you are listening to Horror Homeschool. I hope you enjoy. Clean up your play, wash the blood off the table. It's time for school. Horror Homeschool. It's time for Ashley to get her learn on. It's time for school. Horror Homeschool. If Chris gets murdered, it's not Ashley's fault. It's time for school. Horror Homeschool. Freddy, Chucky, Jason, Michael, all heroes are the time for Horror Homeschool. Horror Homeschool. Zombies, dead eyes, bumps in the night. They're all here to give you a bright Horror Homeschool. Horror Homeschool. We'll sit tight for your brown pants. This has been your last chance. It's time for school. Horror Homeschool. It's too late now. Hello, welcome back to Horror Ho Ho Homeschool. I'm Father Christmas. <laughs> I'm Ash the Elf. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to our Christmas episode because Conjuring 2 is actually a Christmas movie. Who See, knew? I was going to ask you. I was like watching it and I was like, huh, I wonder if this is considered a Christmas movie. But it's it has totally to be. a Christmas it movie. It is. Yeah. Okay. It's, cool. It's as much as a Christmas movie <laughs> as Iron Man Three is, and Batman Returns is definitely a Christmas movie. Um, and I had no idea either. This is just like incredibly fantastic, unintentional timing. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> like, Holy I had no idea. So yeah, this is our Christmas special episode. And it is actually a genuinely heartwarming Christmas movie. It just has demons. That's all. <laughs> yep. I mean, yep, yep, yep. I'm not. I'm not wrong. No, you're not wrong at all. <laughs> you know, I I very appreciate. Like, I appreciate Christmas horror. Like after last yes. year, and after that um, short movie that you showed me with the Christmas trees. Oh, Treevenge. Yeah, like. <laughs> Ever since if then, anyone hasn't watched Treevenge on YouTube, go watch it right now. It's like a, it's only like a five minute short movie, isn't it, or something like that? I don't but even remember, but it was. It's insane. Perfect. Like <laughs> every horror fan needs to watch Treevenge, Treevenge, as like a Christmas horror tradition because it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yeah, like, and then um, Black Christmas, obviously. Oh, yes. I can't wait till the we original. can talk about that one day. The original. On the pod. Oh, yeah, because yeah. there's like two others, which I, I really actually do want to speak about the other two on the pod too. So one year we will get to have a black I feel Christmas. like we should uh, bring in Francesco for that. Which, the original? Uh, which one does he like the best? I think we could probably, I don't know. I think from what I'm I've sure. seen, I think I he remember. likes the original, but yeah. we can reach out. <laughs> I remember having a conversation with him about like the latest remake of it. Um, I think that'd be an interesting discussion. But yeah. um, actually, we do have um, plans to get Francesco on back on the pod next year for another movie, which he has actually agreed to. Um, <gasps> I'm so I won't reveal on air. You don't have to tell I'll, me. You can surprise I'll me. I'll message you. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's fine too. He, he will be uh, returning on the pod. 
next year. Um, but as for this episode, we are talking about The Conjuring 2. This movie came out June 2016. So, I mean, I guess it's not a Christmas movie, but it is really. They should have brought it out in December. What were they doing? I guess that it was meant to be like a big, That's very big summer blockbuster. Um, they did the same thing with like Shazam as well, because that's a Christmas movie and that came out in the summer. But I guess it's all about like what other movies are coming out that year because they try and not like step on each other's toes. So they make the money. Yeah. Um, and if they're not like an actual like Christmas Christmas movie. Yeah. It's like they don't want to come out around that time at all. Yeah. Either. So. So this movie was directed by our boy, James Wan. <laughs> and it is written by four people. James wow. Wan, Chad Hayes, Carrie W. Hayes, and David Leslie Johnson. So quite quite an effort from that writing team. Hmm. Uh, and this takes place six years after the first movie. And the synopsis is as follows. Ed and Lorraine Warren travel to North London to help a single mother raising her four children alone in a house plagued by a supernatural spirit. I, I like mean, it. yes, that is what the movie's about, but it's like, I don't know. There's like more to it, too. Yeah, like. but I, I like that it, it doesn't give much away. That's my kind of synopsis. Like, I don't even like watching trailers because I feel like they give too much away. So that's a nice spoiler free you know, not much given kind of synopsis. I like it. Um, right, so there's loads of cool trivia for this. First bit of trivia. So while promoting the film in June 2016, uh, Vera Famidia, I still can't say her surname. <laughs> uh, she was suffering. The butcher of names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Chris the Butcher Wakefield, I like it. Um, oh, I like that too. Okay. So Vera, our Vera, she was suffering from a swollen lymph node that Aww. she received during filming due to the intense screaming she had to perform. Um, she did do a lot of screaming in this one. It says due to technical challenges, she would sometimes do 50 takes in a row, all oh. featuring her screaming. That's Golly. insane. <laughs> Jeez. That is intense. Um, it says here that James Wan was offered a life-altering amount of money in order to direct Fast and Furious 8. However, he turned that down um, to direct this film instead. He said that he feels rejuvenated to tell a scary story one more time. Hmm. So good on him i mean it wasn't his last time technically i was like <laughs> okay um, i guess he i guess it's just malignant oh no did he he didn't direct the next one did he conjuring three no um we'll get to that next episode but yeah he did he did direct malignant um so let's get into talking about the hodgson family then so it says here that the the remaining members of the hodgson family visited the set and uh, Francis O'Connor, uh, who portrayed uh, their late mother, uh, refused to meet them as she feared it would affect her performance. Hmm. So I don't know whether that's good or not. Um, 
That's pretty cool that the Hodgson family actually visited the set. Um, it says here, on the first day of shooting, a priest was brought in to bless the set. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you do that on the final day, maybe? Wouldn't that make more sense? I don't know. Oh, I don't, no, cause, know. I don't like... understand that stuff. I'm like... I got... I got... I don't know. I don't know what I think about that stuff, so... Yeah, it's I, I guess I kind of understand it, though, because they do have like a thing, don't they, where it's like, oh, this was a cursed movie, like the Exorcist was a cursed movie and loads of bad stuff happened during, I don't know, was it the poltergeist and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that? So Craft. Like, I, I guess that does make sense if you're superstitious, like, oh, you know, if I'm making like an evil movie about like a demon and stuff like that's that's like bless the set first. But I'd do it after as well, just to be on the safe side. I just, I don't know. I just find it. I just find the whole thing weird. Like I don't understand the, the power. You know. Mm. If, yeah. Well, it's more about the, mi- it. the mindset <laughs> and like starting it off on like a positive, you know, mindset for all the cast. I guess. Yeah, um, that's true. We can do that. So I, I did actually intend on watching this um, this series like that was based on the the real happenings of uh, the Enfield haunting uh, because they used the original tape recordings in it rather than like um, you know the actors' voices and stuff. Uh, but I didn't get around to it. Uh, but it says here that um, some people have claimed that the real Janet Hodgson was actually a gifted ventriloquist or mm-hmm. has the power to manipulate voices. Um, she actually admitted to faking some events and she revealed that around 2% of the haunting was phony. Oh, yeah. So, but the thing is, right, mm-hmm. if you admit to like 2% being fake, then, then the that whole, everything your credit, else Yeah, power. your credit like, is shot. It's like, why would you fake some of it? Like, I, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, and, and then why would you admit in? Why would you admit to like faking a bit? I, I just don't understand that. It's. I don't get it either. It's weird. It's, it says in real life, most believe that the haunting was a hoax performed by the young girls of the house, with the eldest being able to create very deep voices for the demon. Um. And from what I've looked into it, like, I yeah, I kind of feel like the whole thing was a hoax. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah, just I think... too much there that that looks and sounds fake and is questionable. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll get into it more on the next episode, but when it involves the Warrens, unfortunately, a lot of fake stuff is involved mm-hmm. with them. And yeah, like, for sure. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, they make great movies or they make fun movies or whatever. I mean, but I what I do know about the stories behind them, I do know a lot of it is is hoax yeah. or, or hoax. I'll Hoaxes. set you some homework for next episode. Actually, <gasps> Ooh, I get um, homework. Watch um, some horror homeschool homework. Watch uh, the Netflix documentary, The Devil on Trial. And it's interviews with all the people involved in the real life story. Oh, of the country. no, I don't think. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that. 
but I do recommend checking that out before we do the next episode uh, because it gives you a lot of insight into the Warrens and what they were doing. Um, yeah. So um, I actually listened to... Oh, didn't I listen to an episode? I feel like I would listen to a true crime episode about that recently, but I can't remember who it was. I listened to so yeah, many. a lot of them do expose the Warrens on those podcasts, you know, for being like fakes and stuff. And I think it's a bit of both. I, I think that, you know, Lorraine probably had a gift. Um, you know, Ed probably had some talent. And then they realized they could make a shit yeah. ton of money from well, it. Well, it's like it's like those those preachers who may have some healing powers but like overdo it and then fake healings and stuff like that yeah and the problem is with this it's the same thing with like paranormal investigators where like you know some of them i believe are genuine but like when you throw the fake ones into the mix it just discredits everything yeah because no one believes it they're like oh well it's all fake then but i i don't have you ever seen uh Factor faked paranormal investigations. No, we had a show in the UK called Strange But True, which was on, I think it was on the BBC or something, but it was so fucking scary. It was just like this old dude presenting it, like really spooky show, telling like real life, paranormal, um, unexplained true stories. And they had like dramatizations in it and like interviews with the people involved. And it used to freak me the fuck out as a kid. I was so scared of it, but I loved it. I found a few episodes on YouTube and I've been showing it to Abby. It's great. It sounds like a similar thing, though. It's kind of like Unsolved Mysteries, but British. Oh, that's awesome. Um, which is a great show. Yes. I've been rewatching those from the beginning because they're so good. Um, so, yeah, like the, the Hodgson family and that haunting case, like... The more I look into it, the more it doesn't seem legit. Like, I, I want to believe it. I'm Mulder here. I'm like, you know, because I love stuff like that. And I love, like, trying to debunk stuff and, and being wrong about everything and being like, oh, shit, it's, then it is true, you know. But in this case, yeah, I'm, like, 99% sure it was hoax. Like, if yeah. you've seen those, like, the pictures and stuff, like, they're literally just jumping on a bed. And they're actually, like, smiling in some of the photos. Like, they seem like they're having a good time. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, another fact here. Well, I mean, this is kind of obvious. Patrick Wilson did his own singing, of course. Yes. Where's that part? So cute. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, next bit. The opening scene where the Warrens are seen partaking in a seance in the Amityville Horror House Lorraine is seen wearing a trench coat and a skirt. Uh, the inspiration for this costume was taken from what the real Lorraine Warren wore during the seance uh, in real life during the Amityville case. So she wore a replica of the outfit right down to the styling of her hair. That's just dope. Nice attention to detail. I like that. Love That's to see adorable. it. Um, regarding that scene, so I need to send you this. Um, so, you, you know, when she sees the ghost boy, like, behind the stairs or whatever, like, um, peeping out mm -hmm. in the Amityville house, um, 
it's actually like a, a straight up recreation of one of the actual uh, photographs captured in the Amityville house oh, taken no. by I don't want to see their it. professional photographer. <laughs> yeah, you do. I'm sending it you right now on Instagram. You have to see this because I've oh, you're seen sending it. it on Insta. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's terrifying. It's absolutely oh, no. terrifying. And it's a great recreation oh, of no. that. Oh no! Oh, oh no! <laughs> No, because the eyes are glowing. Yeah, stop. Get off. Photo. I'd rather look at those cheesy balls, as you said. <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Context, context. <laughs> I have not been sending my cheesy balls to Ash. It's a British snack, okay? <laughs> which should, which could also be said about me. Um. <laughs> anyway, this ghost boy with the glowing eyes, man, that's some scary shit. And I, I think that photo is real because it looks legit. Like, and back then you couldn't really like fake photos. Well, I'm sure you could, but I don't know. I want to believe <laughs> I'm older. <laughs> but yeah. Um. So that was cool. Again, amazing attention to detail. Um. Says here about the Hodgson's the Hodgson. I can't even say that name, and that's a British name. Um. The Enfield haunting family. I'll call them that. That one of the real life allegations uh, they made that um, when the toys were thrown around, they were too hot to touch. Uh, this wasn't featured in the movie, hmm. which is a crazy claim. Um, so this movie had the biggest opening weekend gross for a horror film in three years. And you know what the previous biggest was? Mm, Conjuring previous. one. <laughs> oh, duh. oh duh. I conjuring. just talked about the conjuring one duh um, what's this next part here okay so this is like about how legit the haunting was um, with the Enfield case the Society of Psychial Research in England researched this case long before the Warrens and determined it as quote marks Reoccurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, whatever hmm. the fuck that means. Um, it says Gross and Playfair moved into the house at one point and investigated the case for over a year. And then the Warrens just showed up and stayed for only a couple of days. So I'm thinking, is that those other people that were involved? Like they were the, the real investigators, the ones in the movie, the dude with the mustache and the glasses. Hmm. Um. Yeah, so they they sound like they were legit and they believed it all. Um. Again, the Warrens just swanned in, stayed for a couple of days, and made a shit ton of money from it. <laughs> um. It is actually um the longest recorded paranormal case of poltergeist activity in history. Oh damn. Um. So. I don't know. I'm I'm flip flopping back on this. I mean, those kids could have kept it going for that long. If the, the mum's getting the paychecks in, I guess. <laughs> um, it says here that um, the shelf uh, where Ed places the strobe toy when he gets back in the dungeon, the spooky dungeon, the shelf contains a golden upside down skull, which he moves to the side, and. This skull is the sacred treasure featured in the film Vice Versa from 1988. Now, I don't know that movie, but I'm sure Ryan does. Um, apparently, that skull causes Judge Reinhold and Fred Savage, Savage's characters to switch bodies. 
So it definitely like sounds a, like a Ryan movie, yeah. Oh, it's definitely a Ryan movie. <laughs> <laughs> He'll know exactly what we're talking about. But I didn't even notice a skull on there. I was just looking at the um, the one from the first Conjuring, the little music box thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is interesting. So all the scenes featuring the nun were actually added during reshoots. So, oh, interesting. <clears throat> the original design of the demon was not the nun at all. It was, um, you know, the thing you see for a split second where the nun disintegrates. It's a big, dark demon with horns. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they had hmm. in, in place of the nun. Um, but James Wan changed his mind and said he wanted to expand on the idea of Lorraine Warren having um, trouble with her faith, questioning her faith. Mm. So then he designed the demon to resemble like a holy icon, um, which I think was a fantastic decision because how effective is the nun as a horror mm. icon now? Like. Mm. So much scarier than just a demon with horns because, I mean, he's probably thought, well, we've seen it before with Annabelle and Mathis, you know, like, so I think that was a stroke of genius with one there, creating the nun. Um, Speaking of the nun, in the background, you can see the words Valak, like, spelt out all the way through mm-hmm. this. It's, it's hard to pick out sometimes. I think one's made by their daughter. Uh, one's on, like, the window or something. It's on the bookshelf. Bookshelf. Um, and the the other thing that he's painting, or was it? No, it was Ed that painted that. It was the scene from the first Conjuring movie mm-hmm. with like the tree the in the house. house. The tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it says here the scene where Francis O'Connor's character is woken up by the kids screaming, and the drawers slam across the room was done in just one take. Oh, so that's nice. pretty, pretty impressive. Um, so a <laughs> cinema about to have a showing of the Conjuring Two had a poster which read. Warning, the film you're about to see is psychologically and emotionally disturbing. People who have attended early screenings of the film have complained about many unusual circumstances that they have experienced after seeing the film. Due to our concern for your well-being, we have invited Father Perez to be here. He will be available after the film to provide spiritual support and or conduct a personal blessing should you feel the need. Please do not hesitate to seek help. Ask a representative where you can sign up for a session with our priest. That's some marketing right there. Holy I shit. I love it. Imagine just walking in and seeing that and not really knowing what the fuck was happening. I love it. That's amazing. I bet that caused some people to turn around and walk back out. Yeah, for sure. I'd love that poster. I bet it's on eBay for like silly money now. Yeah. Um. But that's all really for the trivia. Yeah, I, I picked out a bunch of interesting ones. There were more, but we should get into talking about our relationship with the movie and initial thoughts. You go first. Okay. Um. So I don't really, really remember the first time I watched it. I don't. It may have been the first time, but I, I've seen it um before. And I watched it with my friends, Alyssa and Baldo. And... This one scared my friend Baldo, and so sometimes we'll uh, just send him pictures of, like, the crooked man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the first time I watched it, it was really fun, you know, I was with friends and everything like that. Mm. Um, but the second go-around, or this time around, eh, 
not my favorite. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, like, no, I wasn't expecting. Ah, it. I'll explain why, but there, there's just, um, I think it's just a little too long. I think it's just too long. Mm-hmm. I'll agree so. with you there. Um, but it's not my least favorite either. Like, it's kind of in the middle for me. My relationship with it, same as usual with all these Conjuring movies, only watched them once before when I did my initial watch through the Conjuring franchise three years ago. It scared me, and I liked it, and I remember being proper creeped out by it, and I liked it a lot more than the first Conjuring. On this watch, it didn't scare me as much because I knew what was coming, but I still enjoyed it, and it definitely gave me chills. I like it a lot. So let's talk about uh, the opening scene, because I love this opening scene. Oh my god, me too. The Amityville house, like, that that initial shot through those famous windows, like, mm-hmm. I love it. I love Amityville shit, like, that. that's a cool case. I really like it. And like, I love um, Lorraine's just voice and her eyes in this scene, too. Just she's so, great. Just she, haunting. Yeah, she's so good in this opening scene. Yeah. Like, See, but I have an issue with this opening scene because, like, I don't have an issue with it. No, I don't know how to explain it. But, like, it's, I feel like they should have picked one. I understand why they did it, just because, you know, they're supposed to show that she's weak, weekend, like, she's weakened. But, um, I don't know. I just felt like it kind of took it out for me. A little bit. I don't know. I just was like, okay, we're in Amityville now. Like, I don't know. I I mean, I just thought it was a really strong opening. Like, they need to have like. No, it was a great opening, but I just didn't understand why we were there. I guess it's the first time she had her experience. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, she she sees Ed dying, so that was like important to set that up, and it just shows how the nuns coming through. You know, this time, so like. I guess it caused, you know, being in that house caused that malicious spirit to come through with all that negativity and stuff. Whether they were implying that Valak made them do it in the Amityville house, I don't know. I guess so. Um, but I, I just love that opening scene. I think it's one of the strongest opening scenes in the franchise. Like, it's just, it's so badass. Like, I love the editing in it. The yeah, camera work. The like, camera work is really good. Fantastic. Um, like, I love the editing with like the the kids as well. Like, you know, when they like quickly, mm-hmm. t- you know, that thing that they do. I think they do it in Insidious as well. I just love it where like they have a jump in the frame where they're looking one way one minute and they're just looking at you the next. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like that technique. It's cool. I like the uh, the whispering as she's walking through and you just hear shh, 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 shh. I love yeah. that. So creepy. And then, obviously, the mirror scene where she walked by the mirror, but she's the dude. I'm like, yeah, it's 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 really cleverly directed that opening sequence. Like, it is such a strong sequence, and um, it's it's very similar to Insidious because like she astral projects. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think she's done that before, and I like it. I like me some astral projection. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about the opening scene because it was so sick. Um, let's talk about like general highlights then, stuff we liked about the movie. 
I did love the the opening score. Oh, so good. So fucking good. You know what? The score was in my lowlights because I wasn't the biggest fan of the score in this. I know it so was So the like... whole score I meh, was not that um didn't like do anything for me, but the opening did. I love that opening. Yeah, I will this agree. This one had with you I there. feel like more like actual songs, like um like a soundtrack instead of a oh, score. Oh yeah. Yeah, it definitely had a soundtrack like Oh, I have a definitely definitely <laughs> a 70s like <laughs> Why is London Calling the only British song they ever use in anything? <laughs> <laughs> because if anything's set in London, they're like, what can we use? Ah, oh, yes, The Clash, London the Calling. Clash. It's, it's always The Clash. Um, and then my, but... next, my next quote is, stupid fucking girls and their stupid fucking spirit board. Oh, yeah, I knew you'd have something to say about that. <laughs> Yeah, I really love the filter that they use on this, though. Like, the, it's kind of like, I know that, that that where you live your whole life is a gray filter. So I know that that's pretty much what <laughs> it looks offended. like. But I, I'm not offended. You're not offended. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, like this movie, like that's one of the biggest highlights for me. Like the whole vibe of it, the way it's shot, like you said, the filter, the tone, like the cinematography it is so spot on. They just like nail Britain so well. And yeah, I said Chris probably for that, hates this one because it's British. <laughs> no, you see, this is the thing. Like, I usually do hate British stuff. And yeah, like the, some of the British accents and stuff really did irk me. But like, as a whole, the setting, I loved it. And do you know why? why did because their like, accents irk you. I'll get onto that when we get into negatives. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But like the greatest thing about this setting was it felt so authentic because it did. It, it just did felt, feel authentic, yeah. It felt familiar to me and like cozy. Oh, like yeah. that that house, that house in Enfield is literally on every street where I live. So like it feels so familiar and like just like I don't know, it just feels cool. I love it. Um, and I, I really hope I get to visit that house one day because it's still there and it looks exactly the same. It's only about a four hour drive from me as well. It's um, the address is 284 Green Street in London. Um, it's actually blurred out on Google Maps, which is interesting. I mean, hmm. everyone knows. So like, I mean, that's bringing more attention to it. So it's obviously the house, you know, like... <laughs> It's just a random house, in, random street in London, and then this one house is blurred out on Google Maps. <laughs> um, I mean, they probably get sick of people like visiting and, and taking pictures and stuff. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna go one day. That's actually a horror location that I can achieve to go and visit. <laughs> Do it, Do and it's it. and real life as well. It's not just a movie. In fact, they they built that whole street a replica for this movie. Like, that's so impressive to me because it looks like the street. You know, I mean, obviously it's not because it looks different now. They rebuilt it and did it on a soundstage, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But it looks so real. And I just, I love the whole, the whole set, all of the set pieces in this movie. Like, I thought they did such a good job. Like, that replica of an old, rundown 70s British council house is just so authentic like like i said i've I've been in hundreds of houses like that um 
and it just looks so authentic and kind of cozy i mean i know it probably looks bleak to you but like that's like my childhood that kind of look <laughs> like sitting in those houses it's like i big, i can't like, say anything i'm my i grew up very poor so i'm not <laughs> no yeah, judgment it's like, it reminded me of like being in like my grandma's house or something like sat in front of the fire like i want to say eating biscuits like billy but, but i mean that that kid and his biscuits pissed me off like Oh my god! Stuttering Billy and his biscuits, like. Where do what I do mean, I fun have? Fact. I have. <laughs> oh, maybe I didn't write it down. Oh, I said, "Why the fuck is this kid obsessed with biscuits?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys don't even call them biscuits, do you? They call cookies, no, I call them do cookies. you? Yeah. Yeah, like, cookies to us are only chocolate chip cookies. Mm. That's the only time we call cookies cookies. That all the rest are biscuits. Um, and we've had this biscuits and gravy discussion already, so we won't go back yes. into that. But <laughs> mm, nom, 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 that sounds so the good. Biscuits, <laughs> the biscuits that Billy is obsessed with are actually McVitie's digestive biscuits, if you want to oh. know. Um, I don't know if you guys have them over there. They're a British make McVitie's. Uh, yeah. We have digestive biscuits. <laughs> yeah, well, they're I've just that, those. but like the British, like oh. it's like um, the main brand for digestive biscuits like everyone gets McVitie's um and they're okay I guess I quite like dunking them in my tea like I'm I'm very much a and you guys a, are so bland a dunking man like when I <laughs> every dude every morning without fail as soon as I wake up I make myself a cup of tea and I dunk a biscuit in there That's my adorable. favorite my favorite is ginger nut um that is that's also something you could call me um <laughs> I'm technically not ginger, I just had a very auburn beard. Um but yeah, I love a good ginger nut dunked in my tea every single morning. Like the creature I habit. Just I found have. a uh, Celsius energy drink. As soon as you wake up. No. Oh I I don't pound it, I drink it. But yeah. Damn. I just I couldn't live in a world where I don't wake up and have a cup of tea. That just I wouldn't happen. Don't in fact, like tea. When I was in Greece, and I don't like coffee. <laughs> I really, really suffered to start my day because they didn't have like proper British tea bags over there, and it took me a good while to be able to function in the morning properly without the tea. I can't remember what I had instead. I think I had like a a really sugary fruit juice or something. But it's just like a warm hug in the morning when you wake up, and that's what you need when it's like minus one as it is here today. It's fucking freezing. <laughs> Um, but anyway, that's the movie. Billy and his biscuits. That bugged me. Um, We're talking about highlights. But, <laughs> but aside from that, like, I loved all the British stuff in this. And I know, like, that's probably a surprise to you. That is a surprise. Um, that is. And it's a surprise to me because I usually don't like British stuff at all. But, like, I think it, it's just done so well in this. Like, it's, it's one. It's James Wan. He's just he's a genius when it comes to directing you know like the way he he sets the tone in this and the atmosphere in it is so good like the lighting the cinematography the camera work like the directing is just peak one you know it's just it just sets everything so well and you've got that great suspense as well it's just so well executed and all of those factors just make you really immersed 
in this movie like and that's what you want from a scary movie you want to feel like you're there and he does such a good job with that like especially the camera work like there's a really great shot at the start where they go through the whole house like one shot like they go through the door frames and the windows and it really feels like you're in that house like that's the perks of you know filming on like a sound stage and doing like a replica of the house but I just I love that shot it like made me feel like I was there um other stuff that I liked I actually really like the story in this I think it's good it keeps you hooked which is more than can be said about the first conjuring in my opinion <laughs> and see I I don't agree with you at all with that tell me why I just I found the family very boring. <laughs> okay. I well, was not into them at all, but I don't I don't know. Like I just didn't there's just I think it was just too quiet, maybe. I will me. agree with that because I didn't like the British family at all. I much preferred following the Warrens and their story. Um but these yeah, things are like they're going on simultaneously. And then mm-hmm. I love the way that they merge. Like, yes, that, that, that was, was cool. cool. Like, it's kind of like a TV drama as well. It reminded me of something like that, where like there's yeah there's two storylines going on, and then eventually they'll like come together for the finale or whatever. But I, I thought the movie was very much like a family drama because the way it explores like themes of like belief, faith, and stuff like that, like. It was kind of like, I mean, I don't want to compare it to one of the all-time greats because it doesn't compare, but it's like The Exorcist, the way that it explores those themes, you know, like questioning like belief and faith and throwing a demon in there and having like a, a family dynamics. Like it did remind me of that, but obviously it's not as good as The Exorcist. <laughs> probably just as long but no the exorcist is probably longer (laughs) oh no the exorcist is a lot longer but um i really just i really loved ed and lorraine in this one i thought they were so sweet together and yeah um i just admire them as people in the movie i don't really know about them in real life but in the movie you know they're very very likable in the movie very likable yeah those actors just do such a great job in this like it, they have such good chemistry they do they have fantastic chemistry they're so believable and so likable like you just love to watch them like and again like comparing it to the first conjuring like i felt like that wasn't there and in in this movie and in the little we get in annabelle uh, comes home i just feel like they've really grown into their roles there and they just know yeah i, I agree with chemistry. that yeah, I definitely agree with that. But, but I did love them in that. I did. In, I love them so much. I mean, I guess we can touch on favorite characters already if we're talking about those. <gasps> Obviously, the Warrens, they were oh, really great say, in this. Like, so good. I was going to say Valak. <laughs> Valak, obviously the nun. Like, she, honestly, she's the real MVP in these movies, in my opinion. Like, she's just so fucking scary. Like, that demon... Is is so scary, man. Like so scary. And then there's a scene at the end, and it has like a mouth full of teeth, you know, and it like growls. I want more of that. Um, 
I've got the crooked man as well. I actually quite like the addition of him in this because he's creepy as fuck. I okay. So watching it with my friends, Did you like him? it was sort of creepy. But last night watching it, I I kind of thought it was a little cheesy. However, oh man, it, it gets mega cheesy in parts. Mega cheesy. Yeah, that's what I thought. Cheese I was just like real. a super cheese balls. Like there was like, um. I was a kid obsessed with biscuits. <laughs> oh, I put fucking toy scenes, my bro. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, you've, it's James Wan. You've always got to have a spooky toy know, scene with a kid. Uh... Before we move on to like low lights and stuff, I just want to give a shout out to the neighbor's dog who rings the bell when he wants to go outside. I just thought that was yeah. amazing. Oh, I did write about that <laughs> that scene. I said, uh no thank you dog that turned into the crooked man <laughs> that that was one of the worst scenes for me that because i thought it looked really lame like the cgi yeah. was, wasn't good i it, think it, that's what took me out of it for a minute but then i was like you know what this thing's haunting this family so they're gonna like try and play on the kids fears so i was yeah. like okay that's oh, yeah. understandable why they that's the whole point i mean yeah like... But it was that's just what, so cheese. That's what Valak does. Like, just like morphs into these things that are, you know, close to you and they're going to freak you out. And I re- I just really like the idea of the Crooked Man because that's like a creepy song they're singing and they've got that little mm-hmm. spinning toy thing, which is like really creepy. I don't know. It just, I, I like it. I don't know how they're going to do a spin off with him, though. I don't know if that movie I thought that was cancelled. Oh, is it being cancelled? It doesn't surprise me because, I mean... It doesn't they sound really, like it would be good. They really oh, don't have I, much to go on. I wanted to say, too, that, like, um, partly I feel like <laughs> the old dude was just being grumpy and just bullying bullying the kids. Because if you think about it, I mean, he didn't do anything too mean until, like, starting to be at the end. But he was just, like, banging around and making but, her... It, it wasn't it established that it wasn't actually him. That was yeah, that. no, it was established it later was on. But as I was like writing it, I was like, I said, he's just being a bully, and I'm here for it. Give me my chair. Give me back my chair, you dumb little girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is actually funny if you if you think of it in that way, where it's like, oh, it wasn't Valak wearing his skin, and it was just a it was just a mean old man that died. That just, I said. It's like, what this the fuck old... are these people doing in my house? Like, yeah, you know. I said, this old fuck is cracking me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was scary too. Like, he that was did, scary. That that old man, man. Oof. <laughs> it was when the yellow eyes came through as well. Valak's eyes coming through. Oh, Valak. Um, my girl, you are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go to low lights or should we talk about like favorite scene and favorite scare and stuff? Should we carry on with the, the, um, the I highlights? I want to do the favorite. Yeah, let's do the favorite okay. scene, favorite scare. Favorite scene for me is, oh, yes, this scene, dude. So I if, it's a, if it's my favorite scene, too. It's when Judy sees the nun at the end of the hallway and she just like stands there staring in points and she says, Mom, who's that? And it just gave me fucking chills. And Valak's just, Valak, the nun's just stood there at the end of the hallway, 
looking scary as fuck. And that whole sequence is so badass because, like, she follow Lorraine follows the nun into that room. Mm-hmm. The church music comes on the tape player. It's not even church music. It's fucking Christmas music. It's Christmas. What I, it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> it, that's I loved that scene so much. Yeah. I was like. The fact that it started playing Christmas music, I literally got, like, goosebumps. I was like, oh, yes, my God. Dude. That made me Same. want to, like, throw up. Same. Because, like, and this is what we were saying earlier about, like, horror and Christmas. Like, it's such a great mix because, like, you've got that juxtaposition between, like, stuff that's meant to be joyous and, like, like a safe, like, fun, like, the happiest time of your life is meant to be, like, Christmas, you know, like, and then you've got, like, this scary-ass demon shit going on at the same time. It's brilliant. Yeah. I love it. It just works so well. And then she so like we're... creeps around the painting. Oh, it's so the, good. The well, shadow before, moves. The shadow, because she sees like the, the original painting that he's done of the first mm-hmm. house, like start to shake and stuff. And then she mm-hmm. comes out from behind that, walks mm-hmm. around the room. The shadow goes behind the painting of the nun and literally stands behind it mm-hmm. in frame of where her head mm-hmm. should be and the hands come around it mm. and then she just charges at her mm. so We're good the painting oh it's so fucking great it's a great oh, scene that scene alone yeah makes this movie to me Absolutely. like the, the nun makes this movie oh 100 percent. it doesn't think... surprise me why she got such a, a following and all these spin-offs after this because it's yeah, such a great creepy the villain family the family just bored me. Like, I was yeah. just so bored with them. I was like, oh, my God. The toy scenes were cool, but the kids were just super annoying. And yeah, the mom yeah. was just annoying. Like, the mom was terrible. The things that annoyed me about all that, I mean, yeah, the, the characters were extremely annoying. But it was the accents, man. I couldn't get over the accents. I was like, straight away, when they said, like, two words on screen, I was like, none of these people are British. <laughs> For real? They can't do an accent. <laughs> How do you know? Are you sure? <laughs> 100%. I looked into it. And they're not actually. And I knew that before I looked into it. So I've got down where they're from here as well. Um, oh, well, before you go into that, I want to go back to that. Okay. That let's scene. let's go back to that scene because we haven't finished okay. up with that. Yeah. Um, so then after the, after she charges at her, um, she th- then there's that fucking crazy thing where like she's like peeping behind like a corner and she has uh-huh. that evil smile on her face oh yeah oh my god that's amazing. so fucking scary i love it i just want to like watch that scene only over and over again <laughs> like you, you come for the the end feel haunting but you stay for the nun i feel like, like that's taking literally... uh taking all the good parts uh like all yeah, the really like super a, scary like super cut, yeah super scary like cut. that one that scene, parts of the first nun, the goat part with the kids yeah. in the second one, and <laughs> just yeah. make a whole like just do like a, a, a non <laughs> non supercut of her just terrorizing everyone. Oh, we should totally so do that. I'm making it. I need I, like a fun a fun name for it. I can't think of anything funny because I'm not that witty. <laughs> I'm not witty. Um... <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, like, and the other scene I liked, too, was, um, I know, oddly enough, but I liked the scene where Ed dies. Not really dies, but she sees him die. Like the, the premonition. 
Yeah. yeah. I thought that was um, kind of cool. I, I, I want to do a special shout out to the police scene because <laughs> I really loved that scene. And I'm not a comedy guy, but that was so funny. When the police go around, <laughs> And they like they see the chair move and go back under the table, and they're just like, "Nope, we're out." They just yep. they just leave. I loved it too. I was like, "This is really funny." It was great, great editing, great writing. I felt like that was a. I felt very Doctor Whoish to me for some yeah. reason. Yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. It was a bit Doctor Whoish when the comedy got going in this. There were some pretty good comedic moments, and it didn't feel like forced in the way that some of these one films do. It felt like it was pretty. It fit in well, and like, and there wasn't like whiplash from like different like tones, like in La Llorona. It mm-hmm. it fit. Do you know what I mean? One of the funniest scenes for me was um, when she was talking about how her husband had left her, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes when he left, he took the music. I think is music. what she said. Yeah, and he starts to be all, like, philosophical about it. And she's like, no, he literally took all the records. Like, I have no music now to listen to. (laughs) And it was just so funny. And it was a genius line, that, because it makes you think, oh, yeah, like, back in the 70s, if you lost your record collection, you couldn't listen to music. I mean, apart from the radio, but... Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's that's all. YouTube or, you know, Mm -hmm. you couldn't just, like, listen to whatever you wanted those records were like sacred you know like and if he takes How the records up is that guy man he's an asshole yeah what an asshole but like and she can't even buy anymore because she's poor so like that's really shitty so i mean you know i mean i've got one of my worst scenes down here um ed warren playing and singing elvis to them because that I was like incredibly cheese balls but i really, liked it now i'm thinking about it that was actually I a really like, nice thing that he did because I like that song to, too. Yeah, exactly. That is a nice thing that he did. Happy. He was trying to like, you know, these kids are in turmoil with their lives and he's trying to make them happy because the, it was Elvis specifically that they used to listen to, wasn't it, or something? I don't like Elvis, but I do like that song that he sang. But um yeah, actually looking back on it, I guess he he was he was being a good guy and they're doing a solid, giving them some music to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um favorite scenes yeah i think i've gone through all mine i think the other one that i liked too was obviously the cross in the room scene i mean Mm -hmm. always like upside down cross scenes (laughs) we we love to see it (laughs) we love to see it we're so getting that well our logo tattooed on this when when we meet like that can't wait matching matching tap buds um yeah, I think I think that's it for favorite scenes for me. I've got um, favorite a couple of favorite scares though, like things that I thought were pretty scary, is um, the scene where like the girl first starts sleep talking and sleepwalking, yeah, and she works. like sits up in her bed and she's having the conversation with the old man and like like she's replying in her voice as as the man, you know, like, and I liked that. I liked it a lot better than that stupid voice that they put over mm-hmm. when she was channeling him. Like, I think it would have worked better if they would have just, like, put a filter on her voice rather than just someone else's. But I thought that was a creepy scene anyway. And um, I've also got a note here for the TV scene. I thought that was really good. 
where you know the, the tv is like going crazy she's like off school sick because she's like getting oppressed mm-hmm. or whatever and she's like sat there like trying to figure out the remotes like moving about and then she sees the old man's reflection in the tv yeah that part's spooky it's so spooky and he's sat in the chair and she looks over and she just sees the remote floating and it just yep. drops and it's so scary i love it and then he's behind her just shouts my yeah. house in her ear the other scare that i liked was when she's in her room and then you hear a thud and she wakes up and she's downstairs that yeah. to me was so scary. I was like, okay, that's cool. Cause like, you know, he does the traditional hauntings, the bangings, the, you know, pulling of the blanket and stuff. And I was like, okay, it's kind of the same. But then they did that and I was like, oh yeah, that's scary. <laughs> yeah, that's freaky. Waking up in a totally different part of the house. Ooh. It's different that in this, how she can like teleport. Like that was like a big thing, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't know about teleporting and, and, spirits and stuff i don't know how that works with the living but it's it was an interesting visual definitely and you know the fact that she ended up in that room that was locked and they were like how did she get in there like she can't be faking this you know i think i've covered all the good stuff should we go into the bad have we got any more good i think i covered all my good stuff worst scene i've got down here um well there's a few actually so I really don't like the interview with Janet when she starts channeling the old man yeah. or slash Valet. A lot like, of that I didn't care for either. Like I didn't care. I don't know. I think that's kind of what took me out was the scenes where they were like becoming popular, I guess. Yeah, it, but I I really don't like that scene in particular because of the voice that she channels because like it's so obviously not her voice and it's just the old she's lip syncing the old man's voice and i kind of feel right. like they should have just had her voice distorted or like because... layered his voice on top of her voice or something yeah, like that exactly kind of yeah, had it cause... intertwined i mean yeah that you know obviously the exorcist is the best and scariest version of this and yeah. this kind of stuff does usually scare me like you know talking in a demon voice like that actually is a thing that gives me the creeps but mm-hmm. this one it's just a bit silly, like, and it's it just doesn't hit the mark for me at all. Um, another scene that I really didn't like was when she's in the uh, they're in the basement and it's flooded, and then she gets bit on the arm, and then they find yeah, fal- I didn't care for that either. Teeth. That didn't make any sense. I was like, that's so lame. Like, it- <laughs> see, there was like a lot of scenes that I felt like just should have been cut out. Exactly, to be exactly. Like, that and I think that's what I found kind of boring was the scenes that needed to get cut off there was a lot of good scenes but i feel like there was too many like just okay like just scenes that yeah. should have been cut 100 that that should have been left on the cutting room floor in my opinion that whole you know basement flooding false teeth biting scene it did not need to be in there for any reason at all um, you know, we'd already established that the mum believes what's going on. So there was like no point in that. Right. Like, yeah. Why would his teeth be down there? And, and I don't know. That whole scene stressed me out, though. That's so dangerous. All that water down there just stressed me out. <laughs> but yeah, going back to what you said about the length of it, that is like one of my biggest lowlights. Um, 
the pacing isn't great. It really slows down and just sags in the middle. Yeah, it does. Like, and, and I started getting real, real sleepy. <laughs> there's a lot of like really boring exposition scenes and just like people talking for ages and like there's character interactions between characters that we don't really care about. And I didn't just, give like, a fuck about that one lady that kept trying to like yeah catch him in the act and i was like get her off of here like nobody cares about her she's not adding anything to it they gave too much screen time to minor characters and i know the idea was to like cover the real life story of this and get everyone yeah but i think they focused a little bit too much on that definitely um it just made it so long when you, you had all these exposition scenes going on that didn't need to be in there and all these extra jump scare scenes that didn't need to be in there like they really could have shaved off like a good half an hour off this that's exactly Um, and it would have been fine yeah i mean it's not even a very long film though it's only two hours and like 10 minutes but it feels a lot longer than that um but yeah it's just due to that pacing towards the end however it does pay off though in the ending because that ending is so climactic like i love it yeah that that ending is something it just all, all shit hits the fan and it's oh, like holy fucking shit hits like... <laughs> the fan man and then um what's her uh lorraine's just screaming yeah out of pure fear and agony i Ugh. just i love the way all that is set up where the lightning hits the tree mm-hmm. and then like she's like oh shit that's the thing i've seen pierce through his chest and mm-hmm. he's gonna fall on it right now and i love stuff like that like the premonitions coming true i just yeah that last scene that whole end sequence was really good and it kind of made me forget about all that like boring stuff leading up to it i was like oh no this is a good movie i like it now <laughs> but it is it is right though like they should have chopped out like a a good half an hour of this and it would have been a lot better um so going on to what i discussed before about the accents so the accents and some of the acting in this I thought were pretty poor. Like, especially the girls, like they weren't great actors. They couldn't do those accents. Like the girl that plays Janet is actually from New Orleans. And the girl that plays her sister is Australian. So there we Yeah, go. and also like it didn't I didn't quite believe the possession of the little girl either. No, no, she yeah. didn't do a good job with that at all. The girl that was in Annabelle Creation did a much better job of that. She was really good at portraying like possession and stuff. Um, another negative here. Uh, I mean, we touched on it. I wasn't the biggest fan of the score by our boy Joseph Bashara in this one. Um, opening score was good, but the rest, yeah. not so much. The, the yeah and like i said it was just so there was a lot more pop songs or something like the normal yeah i mean i didn't mind the soundtrack to be honest i mean like, no I, I didn't mind it either i'm just saying like i feel like um i missed out on more score because i really like his score i love some i loved all the christmas music though that was good oh yeah that music was they they picked some good haunting haunting ones those are some good ones i loved it and the yeah. way that they used it in the scenes too yeah to like it emphasized the creep factor <laughs> yeah that's like one of the greatest things about the original black christmas is like the music the yeah. the, ca- the carols in it and stuff you know it's so good 
Um, another negative here, I've got like, you actually only notice it really at the beginning of the movie. And it's like some of the camera work is very different. Like they use like a horrible, like handheld shaky style that I absolutely hate. I don't know if you noticed it, but no, it's kind of like, it. um, sorry. <laughs> it's like a semi found footage style. Like they do it in, in some things where like, it's kind of purposely a camera, like, like it's handheld, like moving about, like you can see it's not on a, you know, on a, on a dolly or whatever, like someone's physically holding it. And it really sticks out when the rest of the camera work is dead slick and stylish. Like there's like some technical stuff going on in this. There's like zooming in and out on a dolly, on a drone. I think maybe even on a crane at one point over the set they built. And you've got all these gorgeous technical shots and then this really shitty, like handheld shaky camera style when they're doing like shots on the characters, like dialogue shots. And it really took me out of it. Hmm. Um, because for the most part, the camera work is fantastic in this. Um, but I just thought that was a weird choice to have that style in there. Um, other negative, what have you got any more negatives? No, that's pretty much it. Just that it was a little boring to me. Um, yeah, so. I definitely agree with you on those points. However, I mean, there there are a lot of good scenes, though. So I'll yeah. give it that. There are some great scenes in this. I think. It just needed a bit of editing, a bit more time in the editing room. Yeah. And this could have been something like fantastic. This could have been like a 10 out of 10. But unfortunately. Just a little tiny bit more nine. <laughs> doesn't reach those dizzy heights. Um, but it does reach like near the top of the Conjuring franchise ranking for me though. Like oh, cool. it's up there with Annabelle Creation and The Nun for me. I really like it a lot. I need to sit down and really think about how I feel about all these movies and rank them and give... That's, that's music to Ryan's ears. I was about to say, give Ryan a little heart, <laughs> a little pitter-patter. <laughs> <laughs> Send him a love list. <laughs> a love list. Like, Ryan, these are all the movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should do that. Because we also need to rank them, not only the Conjuring movies, but... The James Wan movies. The James... The year the one uh dead silence is number one (laughs) okay so we've only got no we've got two movies left uh i guess i will we'll do it on the last episode and reveal our rankings then i guess yeah well i'm glad that you said that too because then i'll start um working on that because even i don't know right now um i want to say like the nuns at the top but that can't be right i do love that movie (laughs) is that my favorite james Wan movie oh no insidious yeah insidious um but yeah we'll we'll do a proper ranking when we get to the end um i don't yeah. have a lamest line i don't uh i, I do don't. have one line that i did like though okay so we've got um, greatest line it's not the greatest line but <laughs> i like um the greatest line when um lorraine is talking to ed about you know his death and stuff like that and he says if God is showing you my death, he's showing you for a reason. <laughs> that's close to a lamest line. That That is pretty close. Like, that's, pretty, that's pretty good. <laughs> I liked it. No, honestly, I, I didn't get a lamest line. I struggled because I think this is actually a really well-written movie. Um, yeah, I didn't think that there was really like a lot of like 
lame lines or anything like that. I, I, the the dialogue is a little weird. I think it's more because I don't believe that they're a family. I don't I believe they're British either. That's the problem. <laughs> well, <they're>, I. <laughs> I guess they're not. <laughs> the only lamest line that I came close to picking out was when they were having that interview on the TV show with the skeptic fella. Mm-hmm. But I didn't note it because I thought maybe that was actually the the actual real life dialogue that happened during that interview. And it was when he said, um, when he was like discrediting everything and he was like, oh, I don't need to go to the moon to know it's not made out of green cheese, green cheese. or something. I was like, that's a, yeah. that's a weird line. But maybe he did actually say that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I guess... I guess that's about it, unless you've got anything more to add. No. I'm enjoying watching these movies again, though, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I'm glad we did it, because a lot of my feelings... Well, they've not changed, but, like, it's just been a nice refresher, and Mm -hmm. I can... You know, I like having franchises refreshed and knowing my rankings... For Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, my overall thoughts on this movie, I really like it. It may not bring anything new to the table in terms of the horror genre, but it's a clever movie. It's well-directed and well-written. And I defy anyone who says that this movie doesn't spook them out because there's something for everyone in there. I mean, Oh, for sure. I'd recommend it to all horror fans. Yeah, I wrote I wrote down that it's it's sort of diet spooky in a way too because there's not really a lot. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of diet spooky. Not as diet spooky as La Llorona, but oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's a movie thing. you've already forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, My friend, yeah. oh, I have to tell you, he, uh, I guess he listened to the episode, and he texted me and he was like. Hey, I didn't know that your stories were supposed to be for your podcast. And I was like, bro, I told you. (laughs) At least you didn't mention him by name and call him out. I should have. Get them on the pod. I'll call him Diablo Rojo and he'll know who I'm talking about. (laughs) Wow, that's a good name. It's the Red Devil. Oh, of course it is. Damn it. I'm so white. Um... (laughs) So British. (laughs) So British. But yeah, I guess that's about it for this. Uh, Next episode is the final movie in our chronological covering of the Conjuring franchise. We'll be talking... How could you say that? (laughs) I'm not going to miss saying that. We'll be talking about the Conjuring 3. But fear not, it won't be quite the end of the Year of the One just yet. As we skipped an episode in the summer, the Year of the One will be bleeding out into the new year with one final wonderific episode on Malignant. So look forward to that. Get stoked on it. I'm definitely stoked for that episode. And I've got a great idea for a special guest, which I'll tell you about. Oh, shit. Off air. (laughs) (laughs) Off air. Um, Shout out to our wonderful Patreon supporters. Feel Mouse, Ryan, Wade, Ash. No, wait a minute. I'm going to have to start again. You need to echo everyone. You can't just do Feel Mouse. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Okay. Feel Mouse. Feel Mouse. Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> Wade. Wade. Ash. Ash. Kyle. 
Kyle. Francesco. Francesco. Oliver. And wait, how many more? Oliver? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and and Nicole. Nicole. I'm gonna start doing You're a witch all... voice. That'll be my witch voice. <laughs> You're all awesome. We love you so much. Oh, we love you so much. Appreciate your support more than you'll ever know. Thank you for your continued support. Hope you're enjoying all the bonus content. You can go and support the pod too over on patreon.com slash horrorhomeschool and enjoy all of our extra ramblings over there. We're having a lot of fun on there, so go check it out. I'm having a lot of thoughts. A lot of thoughts. Spilling out over there. <laughs> Dude, That's where all I our restarted... producers spill out over on the, the I Patreon. restarted Angel recently. Have you ever watched Angel? I watched like the first two seasons, I think, and then I think it just stopped showing on British TV, so I never watched the rest. I think they can't start a it podcast about it. It just let's do it, there's man. so let's do much. It. Yeah, we need to get through all the Twilight Zone episodes first. Oh, shit. We only yeah, got another like three hundred episodes to go. <laughs> this is hey, our I'm... thing. We start things and then just like don't continue. Them. Well, okay. <laughs> I have to rely on you, buddy, because I right now live and work from home so i'm not doing anything oh yeah i'm single i, I don't have anybody to mingle come home with to, so <laughs> no we'll do we'll get back on track things life is just but this year has been a fucking whirlwind for both of us so we'll get those projects back on track more twilight zone on the patreon more scary stories on the patreon i promise you in the new year um lots of other new stuff too so stay tuned. Go to horrorhomeschool.com for links to everything, including our socials, Patreon, merch. And yeah, that's about it. Personal social media stuff. You can follow me on Instagram at Chris J. Wakefield. And me, underscore, Abraham Lincoln, underscore. We will be back soon with another episode. And remember, this is my house. <laughs>